This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Today, we're in a series titled, Staying on Track When the Battle is Tiring. If you've ever felt depleted or ready to give up, this message will give you the energy to keep walking so you can stay faithful to what God asked you to do. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. I know you're dealing with a whole lot of issues, but hang in there. So here's the key verse. Never tire of doing what is right. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse 13. Hebrews said it this way. Don't be weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you don't faint and let me say this even if in this world you don't see the benefits of doing right and doing good please don't stop don't stop the danger is that you'll do right for a time and then you'll get tired how many folks been there I do right for a little while, and then, and then after a while, I don't see immediate results. See, we, we, this, is, this is the microwave generation. You know, we want to we fix a meal in five minutes. You know, I'm serious. We, you know, I've I seen people go be in line at Burger King, and, you know, you got, got about five children in the car, and you pull up, and you order eight hamburgers, and eight order fries, milkshake, pies, and all this other stuff, and then it takes five minutes to fix it, you pull out a line. <laughs> Can you go home and cook that in five minutes? We are the microwave generation. J.G. Wentworth said, it's my money and I want it now! We are the now generation. We don't want to wait for anything. We want to sow a seed today and we want to go out tomorrow and dig it up and see why in the world hadn't it come up? Why don't I have a harvest? We want to pray today and tomorrow we want to look and see, man, God hadn't done nothing. That's how we are. That's who we are. But Christ want to help us not to just do right for a little while. He put this in the Bible so he could teach his people how to persevere. You are going to have to persevere. You are going to have to stay in the fight. You are going to have to hang on. Those songs are are relevant. There's going to come times when you want to throw the towel in. There's going to be days when people are going to walk away and leave you. People that you thought would never betray you will turn their back on you. There's going to be times when you feel like What's the use? Why should I continue? So, what is the battle that's making you weary right now? What fight are you dealing with? What battle are you going through that's making you weary? Maybe some people are fighting to hold a marriage together or a rebellious son or daughter that's bringing you pain. Maybe you've been dealing with family issues and it just keeps going on and on and on and on. Maybe you're fighting a battle in a particular sin. You seem like you make a little progress and then that thing pops up again. Sometimes you think you're free. You know, I, I hadn't done it for five days. 
You think you got it made, and there it is all over again, and you just get tired. Maybe you're in a work environment where everything is affirmed except for faith in Christ and, and, and it's, it's, it's in the pursuit of a godly life and you're facing an ongoing erosion of, increasingly, host, of a increasingly hostile culture. Maybe you work in a place where in, there are very few people that serve God and think about God and talk about God and you're mocked and laughed at because you do. I remember telling uh, Desiree yesterday, I think it was yesterday, she was up there doing a job and, you know, there's times when there's nothing there and she, she had closed her eyes and she was, man, she was, I told her, I said, you might want to put a mask on so won't nobody know that you're doing all that. <laughs> she just got in her own little world. She just, man, she's just in her own little place and she's just up there just dancing. And I don't know how she knew the engine was there, but as soon as it got there, she was. <laughs> That's what I was watching for anyway, make sure she was working. <laughs> Just joking. Anyway. Um, but everybody got a battle to face, and, and there'll be times when you'll get tired and, 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 and get tired of the battle. You know, I mean, you know, just consider like a soldier. You don't get much sleep. You're fighting all day, fighting all night. And when you're, when, you're, when you're trying to sleep, it's on your mind. You know, you go, you wake up and the first thought that comes into your mind, you know, it's those silent times. It's those times when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're by yourself. As long as I'm busy, I don't think about the battle. But it's when I'm driving home and there's nobody in the car, nobody's talking. It's when I wake up in the middle of the night is when that stuff just bears on your mind. But this series is about perseverance. It's about how you can stay the course when you're tired of the battle. Yeah. And all of us get tired of fighting. So the place to begin in the battle for is the place to begin in the battle for perseverance. It says, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1:4. You are persevering. We thank God for this, and we talk about it in the churches. Let me say this to you. They say we tell other believers what you're facing and we tell them how you're standing in all these persecutions and trials. Let me say this. Every one of you has a congregation. There are people that's watching you every day, all day. They're watching how you deal with issues. They're watching how you respond when people lie on you and talk about you. They're watching you when it gets difficult. How do you act? How do you respond? How do you conduct yourself? Because one day these people will come to you and they may, they, I'll say they may come to you and say, how is it that in the midst of the darkness can you have hope? It's your opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Let me say this to you. It's not, it's not how well you do when life is good. It's not when people see you have all the stuff and things that they want to ask you questions. It is when you are in the storm and you can hold your head up. That's when they want to talk to you. That's when they want to know how because everybody can do well when life is good. Everybody's got a smile on their face right after a bonus right after a raise, right after a promotion, everybody 
has a grin on their face after you purchase your new car and you're riding down the road and you're looking around to see if anybody's looking at you? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, she, she beat me to the point. Bro, bro, uh, his dad said this, everybody ooh and ow for about two months and then after that it's just another car payment. Everybody look at, ooh, ah, wow. And then next thing you know, all it is is, it's that time again. <laughs> they want to see you stand. As a matter of fact, we are encouraged by others telling them about how you are staying the course. And that should be us. Yeah. That should be us, folks. I'm telling you, if, if you're a Christian and you are showing stress, frustration, anxiety, and all this other stuff like everybody else, don't let everybody know you serve Jesus because it should be manifest in the way that you live. Your example when you stand strong in difficult circumstances will encourage other believers. Listen, more than you can imagine, it is the dark days that people are looking for you to be strong. The word perseverance, the word perseverance in a, in, in a, is, 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 the word is perseverance in the NIV, and it can be translated patience in King James or steadfastness in the EVS or endurance in the New Living Translation. So when you see that word, those are the different words that it can actually be replaced with. Gives us a sense of scope what Paul is talking about. We boast about your perseverance, your patience, your steadfastness, your endurance, your ability to stand under trial, under trouble, under pressure. Who are you when you're under pressure? Who are you? Who are you? Not when the LG, life's good, but when you're under pressure, who are you? That's the question. How do I get that? How can I have more patience with my children? How can I persevere in ministry? How can I build stability and endurance in my life? How can I be that person? How can I be that person who goes the distance and then remain a Christian in a hostile world and in a hostile conditions? How can I be that person? Let me say this to you. Most folks, they pray for patience and then they wake up thinking God has waved a magic wand over them overnight and they're going to wake up and say, don't nothing bother me now. <laughs> not how it works. Yeah. It's not how it works. Yeah. If you pray for patience and there's folks getting on your nerve, that's why they're coming. Amen. That's why they're there. What produces this character? The big thing you want to grasp today, perseverance, look now, is the fruit of growing in faith and love. Perseverance, being able to stand under pressure, is the fruit of your faith growing and your love growing. Where does that come from? Your faith is growing, your faith is growing. Second Thessalonians 1, 3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because what? Faith is growing more and more. Your faith is growing more and more. I'm telling you, we could stop right there and I could tell you one of your problems if you're having a hard time persevering. The question you gotta ask yourself, 
is your faith growing? Is it growing? I know people come to church. I know people read the word. I know they do all the right things we call them in Christianity. But the truth is, is your faith growing? Paul says, your faith is growing. There's different degrees of faith in scripture. Jesus said to Peter, you of little faith. And he said to the centurion soldier, I have never seen such faith in all of Israel. In Matthew chapter 8, when his servant was sick, he came to Jesus and, and Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, Master, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But he said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus, he said, he said, man, I'm a man on authority. I say this one come and he come. I say this one do this and he doeth it. And he said, now you just speak the word. My servant will be healed. Jesus said, I've never seen this kind of faith. And what that man understood, he understood authority. He understood that when I speak to a man and say come, he comes. When I say do this, he do, he does it. But he understood that Jesus had a different kind of authority. He understood that Jesus had a spiritual authority, that he could speak to demons. He could speak to sickness and disease and it would obey him. So he said, your servant is healed. He said, I don't have, I don't have to come. I don't have to go. I can speak here and it can heal me over there. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith. Not in all of Israel, among God's people. But here's a centurion, a Roman soldier that was saying this. Not one, of the, not one of the priests, not one of the Levites, not one of the Israelites, but a Roman soldier saw this. Different degrees of faith. The disciples said to Jesus, increase our faith. Let me tell you when they said that, Luke chapter 17, Jesus had just told Peter. He said, he said, Peter, if, if your brother offend you, he said, how many times, how many times shall I forgive him? He said, seven, seven times in a day. Jesus said, no, seven times seven. And when Jesus started talking about forgiveness, they said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> Not going to be able to do that one if you don't give me some faith to do it. But what is happening to your faith? Is it growing? Is it growing? When the disciples saw the storm, they panicked. Jesus had just said, let us go to the other side. And when the disciples, the storm arose, right after Jesus spoke, the storm arose and the disciples saw it and they panicked. They went to the bow of the ship and Jesus, 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 don't you care if we perish? Jesus looked up and said, oh, ye of little faith. So my question to you is, when the storm arrives, what do you do? When that storm comes into your life, how do you respond? See, Jesus, this is what Jesus was expecting. He was expecting them to say, Jesus has stood on the bow of the boat and said, let us go to the other side. He expected his disciples to stand up and say, when that storm arose, Jesus said we are going to the other side and we are going to the other side in spite of what's in front of me. That's what he expected. And whether the storm come like it did when Jesus spoke or whether they just made it through it, he intended for them to walk on what he said yeah. in the storm. And that's what he expects out of us. When you are dealing in a, when you are in a storm, you're in a financial storm, what are you to say? 
my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah. I'm not going to look at what I don't have. I'm going to consider the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet my heavenly Father feedeth them. How much more yeah. will he take care of me? Not sit somewhere, well, I was going to say pull your hair out, but <laughs> anyway, pull your eyebrows out. I got a few of those left. What are you doing in the storm? What do you do when the storm arrives in your life? And Jesus said, this is what he said to them, where is your faith? He wasn't asking them if they had it. He knew they had it because they were following him. What he was asking, he was asking his father, he was saying to you, why aren't you using it? What about you? Are you exercising faith and applying it to the particular battle that you yourself are facing? Are you applying your faith to that battle? Look, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Faith is confidence in the ultimate triumph of God. Faith is confidence in the ultimate triumph of God. That's what you need. That's what you need to know when you're dealing with relationships, stubborn sin, discouragement, and ministry in a hostile and unbelieving world. You need to know, you need to have confidence in the ultimate triumph of God. That no matter what's going on, no matter who's against me, guess what? In the end, yeah. we're going to win. We're going to win. The song said it this way. Let your power fall when your name is called. Prove the doubt is wrong. That you are still mighty and strong. Fight this battle for me. Help my unbelief. So I can tell all my friends that what? You have won again. It's not about you winning. God is going to win. Now he's going to work through you. But it is about him winning. See, too often we, we forget the scripture says that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. See, we're, we're fighting battles that we have no business in. Don't jump between God and the devil. Get back out of the way. Your love is increasing. Same scripture again. Your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Now, there's another scripture that I, I like better than that one, but we're going to go on anyway. He said, now, not only are there degrees of faith, but there are degrees of love. Look what he said, Luke 7, 47. He who has been forgiven little, loves little. He who has been forgiven much, what? And I don't know about y'all, but if I look at who I am, where I am, what I've been, what I've done, man, every one of us ought to be falling in love with Jesus. You ought to be saying, I'm in love with Jesus. That's where we ought to be. 
If you look at what you've done, if you look at where he brought you from, what he, what you, what he got you out of, and what he forgives you for every day, we ought to love him a lot. We ought to love him a lot. But there's a different degrees of love. A lot of folks say they love him, but there's no evidence of it. Paul is saying, here's the wonderful thing for which we are thanking God. Your faith is growing. Your love is increasing. Growing faith, look now, growing faith and increasing love are God's work in the heart of these believers. Growing faith and increasing love, that's the evidence that God is working in you. God is at work in you. You're under pressure and yet your faith is growing and your love is increasing. How does it happen? Irrefutable evidence that God is at work in your life. That is irrefutable evidence that God is working your, at work in your life. I'm going to tell you something. You know, a lot of people, well, let me, let me back it up and say it this way. God wants to use us to the place and the point that in the end, when somebody comes up to God and says, God, you never did love me. He wants to be able to say, yes, I did. And he wants to remind them of a time that he used you to manifest that love. Paul must have had special joy as he wrote these words because this is exactly what he had been praying for. Look what he prayed for. This is scripture that I like. This is what I like. He said, night after night we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. And then verse 12, he said this. He said, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Man, I'm, I'm so glad that everyone else is on there. Because you know what we have a tendency to do? Love each other. It's easy to love each other. Light loves light. But he said, now, I'm not just praying for your love to increase and overflow for each other, but for what? Everybody else. Those outside of your circle. Those that's not in your fold. Those that get on your nerves. Those that don't like you. If your enemy hungers, do what? If he's thirsty... Jesus said it this way, bless those that curse you. The word bless actually means speak well of. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Guess what he's saying? He said you ought to be praying for opportunities to do good for the person that's hating on you. God, can you show me how I can manifest and demonstrate the love of God to these people? And a lot of folks say, I don't have it. But yes, you do. Romans 5, 5 say, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You got it. You got it. Just got to let it, just got to release it. So Paul was not able to visit them, and he sent Timothy back with this report. He said, they are still suffering. He said, they are still suffering. Paul said, I can't get down there and check on them, but I'm going to send Timothy, Timothy, and Timothy sent this back. They are still suffering, but their faith is growing, and their love for each other is increasing. 
Man, can you tell me that when you're going through a difficult time that your faith is still growing and your love is increasing? Faith growing, love increasing is the foundation and it is the root for perseverance. Hmm, funny. I'm glad you asked. How do you get perseverance? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. Your faith is growing and your love is increasing. Therefore, we boast about your perseverance. They say this. Anytime you see the word therefore, you got to look and see what it's there for. Okay? So, therefore is in there because your faith is growing and love is increasing. Therefore, because of this, we can boast about that. If your love is not, faith is not growing, your love is not increasing, we can't boast about your perseverance. As you grow in faith and love, you'll have patience and endurance. Underneath this whole business of perseverance is faith and love. Underneath perseverance, the ability to stand is faith and love. The ultimate triumph belongs to God. If I know that when I go into a battle, I got confidence that I'm coming out a winner, some way, shape, or form. Perseverance comes through faith. James said it this way, that the testing of your faith develop perseverance, James 1.3. The same is true of love. Love is what? Patience. 1 Corinthians 13.4, that is the nature of love. That is the nature of it. So don't tell me you love me. And then turn around and tell them you can't tolerate. They don't go together. I love him, but I'm going to put some distance between us. <laughs> I love him, but I'm going to give him that, feed him with that. I had never seen one of these because, you know, folks had that long handle spoon. Some of the folk, we would have to have a spoon about a mile long. Because <laughs> we don't want to have nothing to do with these people. Do you need more patience? The way to get it is to grow in faith and love. Grow in faith and love and your patience will grow. Grow in faith and love. The ultimate triumph belongs to God. If you can develop that in your mind, that when you face a situation, Marcus, when you face that situation, you look at it and say, the ultimate triumph belongs to God. So I don't care what it looked like. In the end, we win. Amen. In the end, we win. Growing love, you'll always be able to endure. First Corinthians again said, love always does what? Protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. It is the, that's the nature of it. It is the nature of love to be patient. It is the nature of, of faith to persevere. Don't look at the surface of the problem because that's not the actual root of it. Look at the root of the problem. He calls them to persevere by doing what? Growing their faith and increasing in their love. So how do you grow in faith? You got to consider what the word says. Romans 10, 17 says faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. I say it this way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing a word from God. So you can't have faith in something that I hadn't said to you. 
You can go try to take, pull a scripture out yourself and try to make it yours, but you need God to speak it to you to have faith in it. It's just like me at Christmas time going to my mama and saying, Mom, I want a bicycle for Christmas. And she don't say a word, and I run out of the house. Mama's going to get me a bicycle. Who told you that? <laughs> That's what she's going to say. Who said that? But if I go in and say, Mama, I want a bicycle for Christmas, and she said, okay, son, now I can walk away and say, hey, hey, Marcus, guess what I'm getting for Christmas? How do you know? Mama said it. Therefore, I believe it. Therefore, it's settled. Therefore, it's on the way. It's coming. But if Mama don't say anything, if I just go read a piece of paper that Mama wrote on and said, I'm buying a bicycle for Christmas. And I say, oh, that's mine. And at Christmas time, when she go over here and say, Mary, here's your bicycle. That's my sister, by the way. Here's your bicycle. And I'm like, I've been claiming this ever since September. How did you give it to her? Never told you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing a word from God. Okay? So faith and love are roots of perseverance, patience, steadfastness, stability, and endurance. All those words that came from the NIV, the all those others, ESV, and all the other translations, and are nourished by deep roots of faith and love. It is important not only to know this, but to be able to use it. The biggest problem with Christians is they know. But they don't do nothing. Nobody's impressed with you walking around quoting scriptures and not living anything. I have a problem with churches. You tell me about how big God is and he owned the silver and gold, California Thousand Hill, all the wild beasts of the field is his, everything belongs to God, and I'm out here begging. That's just like President Obama being my daddy and I'm standing on the bridge up here on exit 58, we'll work for food. Don't quite go together. Who's your daddy? Oh, he's the president. And you will work for food? Don't match. God is my father. All of this belongs to God. Okay, so if, I, if it all belongs to God, then why are you selling peanuts? Why I got to buy a box of donuts from you, Ray? Why are you selling those M&Ms? God owns everything. The church is, 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 is saying one thing and actually demonstrating another. Why do you have to have all those days? Mother's Day, Women's Day, Choir Day. Those ain't nothing but fundraisers. You can call it whatever you want. You can make it be about whatever you're trying to pretend it to be, but the truth of the matter is, you're just trying to... Why does the plate have to pass five times? Why? Let me tell you what I've learned. This is what I've learned. $20 is $20. Okay? So, this lady right here, what's your name, Donna? The one that's laughing? McCall. Okay, McCall left home with the mindset that she's going to get $20. Now, okay, I can get $20 in multiple ways. I can get $120. I can have two offerings and get two tens. 
I can have four offerings and get four fives. I can have 20 offerings and get 20 ones. But at the end of the day, it's $20. So by you having more offerings just means that I'm splitting up what I was planning on giving anyway. That's why I say one offering, if you plan on giving, good. If you don't, that's your business. That's between you and God. I'm not going to stand here and beat you down because of it. When God stopped taking care of the church, it's time for me to pack it up and go home. When you see, see me selling the donut, call the police. <laughs> Send somebody to come get me, please. Because I'm, I'm not a salesman. I couldn't sell a man in the desert a block of ice and a cold bottle of water. <laughs> Use this to improve your praying. Don't miss this. How should I pray when I'm worn out, losing heart, tired, discouraged, weary of battle? You could pray, Lord, give me patience. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do that alone. Don't just do that one. That'd be good. But you better pray and ask God to increase your love and renew your confidence. Listen, your confidence in what? His ultimate triumph. God help me, and I'm telling you, I need this every day. God help me to have confidence in your ultimate triumph. God said this, in, he says this in multiple ways. This is what he said to my wife. He told my wife that this way. How can you be afraid of something that I created? In other words, you should have confidence in my ultimate triumph. In other words, I don't care what they're doing, what they're saying, what's going on. In the end, God is going to win. And if I stay with him, I win too. You can pray about the surface issue, but you better pray. You will pray better if your prayer touches the root of the problem. Let me tell you something, because God does not deal with surface issues. God deals with roots. That's why most folks miss him. That's why folks don't hear him. Because you are focused on the surface issue and God is dealing with the root. You may have a financial problem, but you got bitterness in your heart and God starts speaking to you about bitterness. He's dealing with the financial problem, but he's working at the root. He can't fix the financial problem unless he fixed the root of the problem. He can fix it, but he won't solve it. God want to solve problems. He don't want to come and fix it today and then next week. God got to find his problem. Got to come see about you again. He wants you to grow up to the place where I don't have to keep coming. Where you trust me. You rely on me. Underneath all your struggles with patience and perseverance, you will find that faith is losing heart and your love is growing cold. If you are having a difficult time with patience and perseverance, guess what? Your faith is not growing and your love is growing cold. You can trace it back to that. These are the roots of perseverance and patience. These are the roots of it. Faith and love are the roots that nourish perseverance. And when the Thessalonians were facing these troubles, Paul did not pray. This is what he did not pray. Lord, please stop these terrible trials. He didn't pray that. 
Nor did he pray, Lord, give them patience and help them to persevere. He prayed, Lord, let them grow in faith and increase in love. Because he knew what the root of them being able to persevere was, and that is to grow in faith and to increase in love. He knew that was the root of it. He didn't pray about the surface. Most of us pray, Lord, get me out of it. You've been praying for an unbelieving loved one for years and nothing has happened. Getting discouraged. You can say, Lord, help me to persevere in prayer. Or you can say, the better way to pray would be, God, increase my faith in your ability to change this person. And increase my love for this person with whom I'm probably feeling irritated and impatient with them. Increase my faith in your ability to change them. Increase my love for them. Man, I'm going to tell you, working with this new generation of people, I'm not talking about y'all, I'm sure y'all are just not like them at all. But this new generation of people, I'm telling you, I am praying this. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Everything else may fail. But the Bible says this. He said, with loving kindness haven't I drawn thee. That's what he said. And let me say this to you. I say that because when God found me, he didn't point out my wrong. He pointed at my need. He demonstrated that he loved me. He told me that he loved me. If he had pointed out my fault, I probably would have left him. But he demonstrated his love toward me. And, and the reason you are discouraged in praying because you haven't seen an answer. And you just keep getting frustrated and see the stubbornness of the person that you keep praying for. You just keep getting frustrated, frustrated, aggravated, tired. As your love, look now, as your love for this person increases and your faith in God's ability to change them is renewed, you will get a fresh wind in your cell to sustain praying. When you, when you start com having confidence that God has the ability to change them. And when you can love them as they are. That's when things start changing. Yeah. That's when it starts changing. You can ask the Lord to help you to be more patient with your children. But when you know that patience is the fruit of faith and love. You pray this way. God, fill my heart with love for these children and give me a new confidence in what you can do in their lives. Fill my heart with love for these children. Let me tell you something. God is the greatest. God is the greatest father that ever lived. He's the greatest parent that ever existed. And let me tell you why, because he, you know, I'm looking at 170, 180, 200 people. Can you imagine? I'm talking about all of us, kicking and acting a fool. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what God like, deals with on a day-to-day -day basis? See, we, we look at the generation of people. I'm talking about the generation of people that's coming behind me, and I'm talking about how terrible they are. And then God says, who are you talking about? 
how can you talk? You know, we think we have intelligent conversations with God. You know, we, we pray the scriptures and we pray all these great prayers and stuff, and God looking at them like, and this is what it sounds like to God. Goo goo ga ga. You, 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 yeah, you sound, you sound like that man on, uh, you sound like that man on Waterboy. You ever watch Waterboy? And that man, that, that man that talk, he, be, he be, don't nobody know what he said. That's how God is with us. It's just great that he understands his children. We think we speak so eloquently and so intelligent and and I'm just praying so great. And then you listen to other people pray. You know, we almost like the people in the, in, in, in the, when the two went up in the temple to pray. Lord, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And I'm not like this. And this man said, Lord, and smote his chest and would not even look up. He said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which one went down justified? The we would, have, we would have been embracing the man that said, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like other men. Yeah. Maybe you're battling again with the same old sin. You're discouraged about the failures and you're tired of the battle. How about pray this way? Ask the Lord to increase your faith in his power to overcome this evil in your life. Ask God to help you love him more than you love the sin that besets you. Help me love you more than I love this. That is striking at the root of the problem. As your faith grows and your love for Christ increases, you are persevering the battle against sin. And though you may fall many times, at some point you will prevail. Amen. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. He gets up. God is the one that makes faith and love grow, so ask him to do it. Ask him to do it specifically in relation to your battle. Ask God to do it. Let me say this to you folks. That Jesus said this in John 15, and I want you to apply this to all of life and all of scripture. You are the vine, I am the branch, and without me, you can do what? How do we miss that? How do we get to the place where we think we can fix something? I'll show them. I'll take care of that. All we do is make a mess. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Without me, you can do nothing. So you got to come to the place where you ask God to help you. Use this to sustain your usefulness. Ministry can be started through marvelous gifts, but it can only be sustained through faith and love. There's a lot of folks that speak well, sing well, do all of these things, but if they don't have faith and love, I'm telling you, it is going to fall. In order to sustain ministry in the long term, you got to do what? Love the people that you serve and believe that God is working in them. You got to love the people that you serve. You got to love the people that you serve. And you know what? When I read that, I took it beyond the church. I'm taking it outside of the church. I'm asking God to help me to love those people on the job because that's what they are screaming for. 
That's what they're crying for. That's what they're screaming about. That's what they're kicking for. That's why they're acting crazy because they said, ain't nobody ever care anything about me. That's why they, they, they'll flop to you. When I walk over there on the V-Twin line, this is what happened to me. Mr. Isaac, Mr. Isaac, I said, don't y'all ever talk to your supervisor? Every person in this world will respond to love, all of them. The one with his pants down to here, he'll respond to love. They'll respond to it. Not great gifts that God used so much as, as great likeness to Jesus. People want to, people, you know, people think that, you know, they get, they get all these educations and degrees and all this other stuff and it prepares you and equips you for stuff. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what Jesus said. And see, he, 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 looked, he looked in the future and he saw me. See, the Methodists say in order to be a Methodist preacher, you got to go to a Methodist school for four years. You got to go to Methodist College. You got to have a four-year degree to preach to these people. And a lot of people like to put, oh, a lady came to this church some years ago, and she was here, and she said, she, she got up and stated her name, and at the end she said, D-O-D. I was like, don't spell nothing I know of. Later on, I found out she was a doctor of divinity. Okay. But living nothing, I'm a doctor of divinity. Those titles mean nothing. Let me tell you what God said. God, let me tell you what Scripture said. The Scripture said how God was using these unlearned and ignorant fishermen. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for qualifying me. Thank you for saying I use the base things, the low things, the things that are despised, things that are rejected. I use things that people throw away. Thank you, Jesus. Use this to encourage others. How do you encourage a brother without flattering them? How can you encourage them without flattering them? If you don't say anything to affirm them, you leave them discouraged. So you got to say something. But how do I do it without flattering people? Let's, if you keep telling people how marvelous they are, you tempt them to pride. That's why I get, I get, get a text from Sister Sean saying, great work today. I say, glory to God. Because I feel my head swelling. After a while, I have to do this to get in the house. <laughs> how do you do it? Paul shows us how to affirm a person without spoiling them. He thanked God for the Thessalonians and said, and then he tells them he is doing this. He, 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 he tells them he's doing this, and he said, learn to identify the grace of God in others. And in that word grace right there, it's not, it's not grace, undeserved, un, unmerited favor. It is God's ability. In other words, he said, I thank God for God's ability in you that I see in you. I see God. I thank God for God working in you and through you. That eliminates the person. That way, 
my head don't get big. She thank God for what God did, not what God did through you. When you start thanking the person, they'll be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm good, man. It would be like that preacher I told y'all about the other week when he, after he got up and spoke, he sat down, he sat down and on, on that pew, he crossed his legs like this and he said, I said, how arrogant can you be? See, I know I have nothing, I own nothing, I am nothing, I own, I am nobody, I'm, I'm just, I'm an unlearned, ignorant, I ain't even a fisherman. I catch all my fish at Captain D, pull them up with hush puppies, fries, and everything. <laughs> Keep my reel in my pocket all the time. I kept pulling my reel out, pull them in, got hush puppy fries, fish, everything, all together. Yeah. Y'all like to go out there and catch them. Got to get all that sticky stuff all over your hand. Got to gut them, scale them, skin them. Man, I just go fishing and pull mine up, man. Already brown, crispy, golden brown. Everything you need. Even reel in a little sweet tea with them. Use this to leverage your trials. Look, please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. My, my, I heard my wife say this years ago. She said God was going to I can't think of it right now. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about? You're supposed to, you're supposed to know. Uh, uh, a quick do a quick work in you. She said God, gonna do a, God told her he was going to do a quick work in her. And sometimes, see, for more rapid growth and grace, sometimes that you'll be cast into a furnace of affliction. <clears throat> sometimes you deal with sickness, bereavement, bad conduct of children and relatives. See, we think these things are bad. <clears throat> we consider these things to be bad. We consider this to be terrible. We, we, we cast the devil out. We bind the devil when we see sickness and bereavement and children bad and relatives acting a fool. We see that. We, we, we start coming against the devil. But guess what? Loss of property, reputation may come unexpected. Pressing only heavy. And in these trying circumstances, exercise patience and fortitude. Look at that last sentence. Be more eager to have the affliction sanctified than removed. God set this, set this apart for you and your glory. Get glory out of this. Let it be more important to you that Christ used the affliction to make you more like him than to get you out of it. Because let me tell you something. News break, news flash. That's what he's going to do anyway. He's not going to move it because you ask him to. He, if he's working in it, okay, consider Job. Consider my servant Job. Perfect and upright man, one to fear God and the shoe of evil. All this stuff happened, start happening in Job. And guess what happened? Job could have stood there and rebuked the devil all he wanted to. God had told the devil he'd go do that stuff. What good would that have done him? None. Because God was doing the work in Job. He was doing a work in Job. And Job came to the end and he re finally realized what that work was. He said, the very thing that I have feared has come upon me. 
In other words, when Job was making those sacrifices for his children, it said Job sacrificed for his children because he feared that they were sin God. In other words, he was not making a sacrifice in faith. He was making it in fear. God will use the hardest things in your life to make you like Christ. He'll bring you to a place where you don't know how to pay your bill, make you fix you where you don't know what you're going to eat. Tell me he won't. He took the children of Israel. The Bible says he could have took them another way, but he decided to take them to the desert. Why? Because he said that I may test you and prove you and know what's in your heart. Learn from Christ how you ought to suffer. Christ endured what he suffered by exercising faith. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, when they, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats and said he trusted himself to him who judges rightly or justly. When Jesus was hanging on that cross and they were hurling insults at him, he didn't say, he didn't say you wait till I come back. Don't make me come down off this cross. No, he said, into your hands, I trust you. I believe in the ultimate triumph of God. That no matter what they say, no matter what they do. And guess what the Bible said? What, what, what did the Bible say about Jesus? Therefore God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. And every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He said, God exalted him. God did it. That's faith. He was surrounded by darkness, but he put his faith in the ultimate triumph of God. He said, I'm not going to say anything back. And you know what I learned from that? You find a person keep defending themselves. It's, it's the one that keep talking need a lawyer. But when that person be quiet and okay, all good. I had a person at work that accused me of some stuff that I did not do. And this is what I said. I said, hey, these are these are big shoulders. I said, if that's what you got to say to keep your family together and make your house work, I'll bear it for you. But I, I, I challenge you to do this. When you go home and look at the man in the mirror, please tell him the truth. You can lie to everybody else. But please tell that man in the mirror the truth. Look at him and say, you ugly thing. Jesus also endured his suffering through love. How did he stay on the cross? People telling him to come down, save yourself and us. What made him stay? This is what made him stay. John 15, 13, greater love has no man, no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. You know why he stayed? Love kept him on the cross. It wasn't the nails, it wasn't the spikes, because he said, I could call the angels to come get me. He said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down that I may take it up again. He said, I freely give my life. What made him freely give it? Love. Paul says, when I see you enduring great trials because your faith is growing and your love is increasing, I see a reflection of Jesus in you. 
And let me tell you something. That is the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The ultimate dream is that folks will look at you and see Jesus. That they'll see Christ in you. That's what we're striving for. But in order to get there, your faith got to be growing. Your love has to be increasing so that you can persevere, so that you can endure, so that you can stand the test, that you can live through the storm, so that you can make it through the hard times, so that people will look at you and say, that person has something. See, we think that because we drive new cars and we put a sign on the front that says, too blessed to be stressed, that folks are going to follow us. Let me tell you something. The, the Bible says that the devil is the god of this world. So I'm, I'm trying to tell you, he can give you a car, he can give you money, he can give you houses, but let me tell you what he can't give you. A likeness of Jesus and the love of God. There's a lot of things he can mimic. There's a lot of things he can imitate, but those are not some of them. Those are not some of them. And our ultimate goal should be to persevere. I know sometimes you get tired in the battle. I know sometimes it seems like it's, going, it's never going to stop. I know it seems like people are never going to change. You've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you're looking at them and they just like they were when you started praying. But I want you to start praying, God, give me confidence in your ultimate triumph that you can change this person's life. Give me confidence in that. And put, let the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart, let it be manifest to them. Bless those that curse you. Speak well of them. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice. God said, be glad, be happy that these things are happening to you because these things associate you with me. But what I need you to do in the midst of this is to manifest and demonstrate the love of God and faith that I can bring it to a good outcome. If Jesus, listen, if Jesus can trust him with his life that he can go into the grave and God can bring him back, what can he not bring you back from? He trusted him to allow them to kill him. But yet he knew, kill the body, but I'll be back. I'll be back. Song Brother Lewis used to say, I'll rise again. I'll rise again. Laugh at me. Shame my name. Say whatever you want to say. I'll rise again. I'll rise again. Let us pray. Lord, we just bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We understand that only you can do this. Only you can cause our faith to grow. Only you can increase our love. I pray that you would remove the scales from our eyes, the plug from our ears, the veil from our heart, so that we can see when we are in a situation or circumstance in life, that we can see the hand of God working and moving. That we can stop blaming the devil, binding the devil, and thinking the devil is doing all this in our lives. And realize that it's you that's trying to do a quick work in us. It's you that's trying to make us Christ-like. Romans chapter 8 says that his ultimate goal is that we might be conformed to the image of his dear son. 
That's what you're doing in everything that happens in our lives. That's what you are doing. Help us to see it, understand it, have trust, confidence, and faith in it. And to be able to love those that may be a part of the problem. That they may see the love of God, the life of God on the inside of us. I bless you for it. I praise you for it. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.